Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. everybody. Welcome into episode three of Half Street High Heat. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Amanda White. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite78. I am joined by my co-hosts, as always. Can you guys give your names and handles? Uh, Ryan uh, and Nick over here, the voices behind these at DC Natchak. Give us a follow. Um, we only fall back elite accounts, so we can share a few <laughs> great content. Yep, and uh, while you're at it, go follow Half Street High Heat. Uh, that's where you'll get all the podcast news and notes and uh, some polls um, asking you guys on your opinions and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, go give us a follow. Excellent. And as always, we are doing this podcast for the DMV Sports Network. You can find them at dmvsportsnetwork.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at dmv underscore sn. You'll find daily content there on everything to do with DC sports as well as college sports. So go check it out. Um, Also, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, let's get into things. How are you guys doing? Bryce Harper still hasn't signed a contract. Bryce Harper is never going to sign. Oh, God. I mean, I, I'm doing okay because he hasn't signed. Because it, it, the farther we get along, it seems like he's not going to re-sign. And that's when I'm going to be broken. Yeah, so. I'm okay because it's not official yet. Exactly. But I'm like bracing myself for the news. Yeah, yeah there, there's no preparation a real Nats fan can do to, to prepare to lose Bryce. Like, it just... How weird was it that they played a game yesterday and there was no Bryce Harper? Like, I found it very strange to even – it was the first time since he was in spring training with them in 2012. It's, so it's just the first time since then. That it's they- like it, – it's a dark cloud, honestly. I mean, I have to – I have to go see Matt go 0 for 2 <laughs> and Defoe go 0 for 2. Like, that. that's our reality now without Bryce. It's like losing your favorite pet and then coming home, he's just not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, but instead of him oh, just being there, there's like worse pets there instead. Yeah, it's like you got the loser pet. That you, like that's Michael Taylor. It's like oh, okay, yeah. that's a little. Hard. It's like you had you had a dog for like seven years, the best dog ever, and then your dog goes away, and your parents get you like a goldfish instead. Yeah. 
to like there replace it. This is the kind of high quality <laughs> content people are listening to yep. this podcast for. Yep. for sure. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, where things stand with him. There, uh, Mark Lerner gave an interview this week um, down in Florida at the spring training facility, where he basically said they haven't talked to Boris or Bryce in a couple of months that they've moved on. And then bizarrely at the end of the interview, he says, but the door still cracked a little, which I guess means my loose cannon of a dad might still do this. I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's either he's a complete idiot or like, which seems unlikely. Yeah. Or like he just has no clue what's going on. And like, he, he believes everything he's saying because he said earlier in the off season that they weren't talking to Bryce. And then reports like came out that they were still, talking ongoing discussions that's when you got the report that the Nats made a significantly larger offer than what was previously reported so either Mark yeah, though the details came out or... on it this week and it sounds like while it was 300 million it was like backloaded it didn't have any opt-outs so it doesn't sound like it was really anything well that, that was to... the the offer they gave at the end of the season that wasn't like anything that came out or anything that was offered in the off season yeah so I don't know. I mean, I get Mark Lerner's kind of in charge right now, but uh, Big Daddy Ted's still alive and uh, he wants Bryce back. Yeah, it seems like, you know, that's why none of the analysts, even if you listen to the MLB Network or anything, no, everybody always ends their discussions at Bryce Harper by saying, well, but you never know what Ted Lerner might do. So there's really no way to know till when he actually inks his signature on a contract. Until then, I don't think anybody really has any idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and Ted, we trust. So hopefully, he, let's he get, hope so. Yeah, he gets something done. So, what do you think? How likely is it that it's Philly? That seems to be where all the momentum is right now. I think it's like ninety-five percent Philly. I mean, they just like they're really desperate right now, and they want to prove that this trade, the real Mila, was worth it. So they have two years to win now, and I think they're just gonna throw all the money at him and be like, "Hey, let's see how much you mm-hmm. really hate Philly and come here for three hundred fifty million dollars." <laughs> Because those are what they're yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be what ultimately gets him to Philly. Because, I mean, there's no debating that he just doesn't want – I don't know if he doesn't want to If he wanted to there. go there, he would have already yeah, signed I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, the team or whatnot. I don't necessarily think it is because they have a pretty good team and something to be excited about. But it's Philly in general, which, I mean, I can't well, blame Well, he's had him. a lot of bad experiences with those fans. Yeah. And, Has you know, if, if he wanted to go there <laughs> – he has had ample opportunity. He's talking about where he's he and his wife are probably going to start a family. Like, do they want to live in Philadelphia? Is the yeah? So, like, I I don't blame him. So, I mean, it's nothing against the Phillies, but the Phillies fans and maybe Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, he just doesn't. Philadelphia is the worst fans. He in baseball. he doesn't. Philadelphia is the worst fans. Period. Yeah, but, that's true across uh, all sports. But no, he just doesn't want to be there. But at the same time. If you're offering a hundred million more than anyone yeah. else has offered, I could get used to Philly. I think yeah. so. I like I mean, cheesesteaks. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, it's uh, brotherly love ish. So I like having batteries thrown at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and that's doesn't? the thing. And I think that there's the other thing for Bryce is probably weighing on him is he doesn't really want to go to Philly. I don't think, but also he's really. You know, he's really crapping all over his legacy in D.C. D.C. fans yep. are going to hate him if he goes to Philly. And I'm sure that's hard for him to accept. You know, I don't know that he loves the city as much as he professes to. But I do think he's 
doesn't want the fans here to hate him and boo him when he comes back either. You know, he's spent a, a lot, he did right. a lot of growing up here, and I'm sure that's hard on him. Yeah, the, the city means something to him, which is nice to know. But if you just pretend it wasn't Philly, it's just like a team, like just right. any any team. It's tough when you're one of the best free agents ever to hit the market and your agent, basically everyone's telling you that your market is one team. Like, yeah, 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 I'm sure that's hard to take being as stubborn as I am personally. If someone told me that I wouldn't want to do it like, yeah. I, yeah, they're basically telling you, oh, if you want to play, you have to go there. I don't want I don't want to do that. Well, he doesn't have to. But if he wants to get paid what he's being told by, I guess, his agent, he's worth right. that kind of segues into my next question is, is he worth three hundred and fifty million dollars? I don't think is any player worth three hundred and fifty million dollars. Yes, players are. But go ahead, Ryan. I don't, I don't think any player is worth that much money. Ooh, okay. I don't either. It's so much money. And the reason why okay. he's going to get that is just because there's you can he's probably the only player in the league that actually drives ticket sales. No one moves the needle like Bryce does and his marketing ability. Like when the if the Phillies do sign him, they're going to get season ticket sales and jerseys bought in the next couple of days that they haven't seen in a long time, which is why his values can get up there, but I don't think any player is worth that much money. I think, I mean, I think there's only a handful. I'm not saying 350 million is going to be commonplace moving forward once we see like Acuna or Soto or like these younger generation guys in the market. I'm not saying that's going to be their future. But if there was a player worth 350 million, it would be Bryce Harper. It would be obviously a Mike Trout, maybe a Mookie Betts. I don't think there's many more people in that conversation. Like, I don't think Arenado, he'll be a little bit older when he hits free agency, but I don't think he's worth $350 million. No, and I'm but, with, I, I don't think anybody is either. I just don't yeah. think there's any player on the, yeah. it, from a baseball perspective that's worth that much money. Bryce, I could see maybe the argument because of how much he's going to drive and revenue that, in that's exactly baseball my fashion. Point. Yep, that's exactly my yeah, point so because, I, as Ryan said, he does so much outside of just his on-field production for the game and for – the team and like driving revenue and ticket sales and Jersey sales and all that stuff. So if you give him a little bit more, I mean, a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like more in the terms of like more than Machado, I mean, that's almost going to pay it back, pay itself back. Agreed, But I also think that the owners are going to be very cautious about that. Philadelphia might do something that crazy because they're desperate to get one of these big names this off season. Right. But owners are always going to have an eye toward what kind of precedent are they setting for future players? They are not going to want a precedent of that kind of a contract where, you know, any player, especially if it's 10 years, I mean, you look at John Carlos Stanton was 325 for 13 years, you know, yeah. but who wants to give contracts that long anymore? Even a player who's, who's 26 years old. I mean, what do you, what is he going to be when he's 36? There's just no way to know well, he's, that. He's it, not going to be in this contract when he's 36. Cause I guarantee no, I agree. he's going to opt out around 30 or 31, try to get another big contract. So that's the thing with him and Manny. Like these contracts are going to be until their first opt out is because both of them are hundred percent going to opt out. Yeah. M- Manny is hundred percent not finishing that contract as a Padre. No, like no, no shot. I can't believe he signed with the Padres. I'm still shocked. And, about and it. That's, to live in San Diego though. 
yeah, that, yeah. you could do a lot worse. Um, but <laughs> you could. I've lived in California. The I, weather's nice. <laughs> I was honestly shocked that Manny got three hundred. I mean, it's not that he didn't deserve it, but just we've talked about it like for months now, just how the market is, and even last year. I was very surprised he got 300, which makes me believe Bryce is going to get what he's asking for. If it's 350, he's probably going to get 350. I think he's only going to get it from the Phillies, though, and that's maybe we're going to. I've seen a couple reports saying that the Padres are willing to go to 350, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like Ryan, I'd rather that Ryan. It would be something for baseball to see both those guys on the same. Right, Ryan said 95 percent to Philly. I think if it was Philly, and it still might be Philly, they are still definitely probably the favorites. But if it was like unquestionably Philly, it would have already happened because Philly's been on him since like free agency started. So if it was really Philly, unquestionably, it would have already. Yeah, if he wanted to play in Philly, he'd already. Yeah, exactly. Which makes me believe if the Padres are like, hey, we got one. Can we get the second one? I don't know if the fans in San Diego can take it. I've never seen a Twitter fan base freak out like they did about well, getting many. Yeah, because it was oh, so unexpected. It was kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> and like for the Padres, they have a great opportunity because the city just lost the Chargers. They don't have a lot going on for them right now. So the Padres can no. take control of that market. The best way to do that, sign Machado, which they did. If they can sign Bryce Harper, as we just said, drives ticket sales, drive the revenue, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Padres, one, they're going to be super competitive and a team to look out for. But two, like, they're going to be on the up and up. I'll be curious to see if Bryce is willing to sign there just because of the perception that West Coast players don't get the attention that East Coast players get. So I'll be, I think that being in a big media market is important to him. So it'll be interesting to see what decision he I makes. I mean, he... I mean, he wants to be on the West Coast, too, so I don't think. Yeah, uh, but I think he meant like L.A., not like San Diego. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather live in San Diego than L.A., but I mean. I'd rather live anywhere than L.A. (laughs) (laughs) L.A. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so how will we feel at this point if the Nats pull off the, the impossible dream and bring him back? It's just been such a roller coaster this whole offseason because at the end of the season, I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good that he's going to come back. Like, I just feel like it's going to happen. And that's mainly because of how I felt about the Nats and like their unfinished business per se, but also kind of where the Cubs were like the Cubs were just strapped and weren't able to do anything. And I think if the Cubs had 40 million to spend, this would have been done a long time ago. Yeah. I think it would have been done. So the fact November or December. Exactly. So the fact that the Cubs were strapped, I was like, okay, I I think he's coming back. And now it's just been such a roller coaster ride that I don't know how, obviously ecstatic, but it's just like, so it's kind of hard to even think about at this point. They still have his big giant poster up at Nats park for what that's worth. Means everything. I mean, he, he's our King. So, I mean, if he, if he comes back, I'm going to be the most obnoxious person in the history of Twitter. I'm, Wait, what are you right now? I was, I'm just like, I was about slight, to... I'm like a slight nudge behind that, but like you're going to see Dad Jack <laughs> a completely different level if it happens. I am going to warn people to mute me because I am going to destroy yeah. every Philly fan. Yeah, no disclaimer needed. <laughs> I know you are constantly arguing with Philly fans on Twitter. It's pretty funny. What I do for a living. <laughs> so let, let's let's throw this out there before we move on completely from this topic is at this point with so many other free agents still available that nobody would have predicted would be available at this point would it be smarter for the Nats to get off the Bryce Harper 
um, the Harper's Bazaar train here and maybe go after somebody like a Craig Kimbrell or a Dallas Keuchel or one of these other big names that's available, you could get for less than Harper and maybe, you know, address a need, especially the bullpen with Kimbrell. It'd be no. very smart to get Kimbrell, but they're not going to. They're like, if they don't get Bryce, they're just going to stick where they are and just roll with what they have until the deadline. So it would not be smart to do it right now. If Bryce signs elsewhere, then it would be smart. Like, you got to stay in on this Harper sweepstakes, whatever, until the very end, until it's pen to paper. Like, you have to stay in because Bryce is a top five player in the league. Like, I don't care if anyone disagrees. He is absolutely a top five player. And you go get a top five player if there's one available. Especially when he's your top five. Exactly. Like, he's done so much for the city. And there's unfinished business. Like, you stay in that until the very end if he does sign then yes go get a Kimbrel because obviously Kimbrel's probably the best closer of all time and we're going to get into the bullpen stuff a little later yeah I think that there's some there's some room for improvement there yep absolutely all right so let's move on from Bryce for now and talk about a couple of other things um roster battles we touched on this last week um key boom so far there's only been one game which was played last night um for him he looked good um, what are the odds you guys think that he might, if he has a strong spring training, make the roster over Defoe? None. None. I just, unfortunately. Now, do you think it's because it's a time and uh, service time thing? Yep. Or? 100%. Yeah. He's going to gain more from playing every single day in AAA than he is from being, like, the fifth infielder and just playing every once in a while. Like, if they're going to have him up, he's going to play every day. And it's Dozier's job right now. So they're just going to let him develop and try to keep him as long as they possibly can in the organization. Yeah. And I, I think it's his job no matter what next year. Um, I, I don't think like, let's say they don't bring back Dozier or Kendrick or Indifo sucks again, which is inevitably going to happen. Like it, it's key boom's job next year, a hundred percent, but yeah, ju- he's the future. Yeah. There. But just <laughs> for the service time clock. Yeah. They're going to keep him down. I will say if, like we just have a litany of injuries and Defoe just sucks, which again is inevitably going to happen. Like we could see Keepum come up like Soto did last year if there's no no one in I front hope of him. There are not enough injuries for that to be right. <laughs> Same, like I, I I agree, but I'm just saying if that does happen and it's unquestionably all right, we're just going to throw Keepum in the starting lineup. Yeah, I could see that happening, but that's the only way. Did you see he had a nice homer last night? I don't know if you guys looked at the box score. I actually watched the whole game because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. I was so happy just to have a Nats game to watch. But yeah, he and then his little brother actually also hit a um, hit a had a nice double too. Yeah, he he can do that in double A all year. I mean, I said on I said on Twitter I'd like to see if they both somehow make the roster. Whether it's you know probably in a year or two, I'd like to see the uh, the boom boom pow song the black and <laughs> song i forget what it's called i'd like them to work that in somehow right. in that's park that's, if we're gonna have all right that's pretty funny actually <laughs> <laughs> i'm just calling that now yeah. i'm throwing that out there it's probably a years in the future yeah day. they're gonna do it and then they're gonna overuse it overuse it overuse it like right Matt's Until everyone hates it. yeah exactly because yeah. <laughs> that's all they know how to do is just run a joke into the ground <laughs> All right, so another roster battle, which seems crazy to talk about as a roster battle because Ryan Zimmerman is, you know, face of the franchise, been here forever. But how much do you think we're going to see Adams over Zim if, this year? If they're smart, they platoon them. Um, yep. Zim's really good against lefties, especially it was last year, and terrible against righties. And uh, Adams hits righties pretty well. He had like 20 home runs and 46 RBIs against him last year and mm-hmm. struggle against lefties. So that's what they should do. 
It's just one gets righties, one gets lefties. But what are they going to do? It's just play Zim every day until he gets hurt. Right, which should be sometime around mid-May. Yeah, his back. Yeah, I, and I'll tell you, I love Ryan Zimmerman. He's every, he was my first favorite national. He was everybody's first favorite right. national. So it's hard to even have that conversation about him. But, you know, it's a business, and you just look at it and think. I, I always think back in situations like this to, like, Dusty playing worth in the playoffs because he's the veteran and it's his job instead of giving us the best chance to win. And that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Like you just have to give yourself the best chance to win. And I don't think Zim every day is that anymore. Yeah, truly. I know the Nats have a ring of fame, but it's kind of a joke considering if you look at who's in there. Um, But Zim's the only one who really deserves to be in the ring of fame. He's the only one you can really like truly admire what he's done for this organization over his career but ryan's right i mean if they were smart they would platoon them but it's inevitably going to be sim just because of how much he means to the to the franchise and its history um i think zim's just done i mean he can still he's have so young still he can, but it yeah. feels like you're at the it almost feels like you're talking about a player's at the end of his career but yeah. he's still what is he like 31 or 32 it, it's gonna it seems like it's trending towards the david wright situation with new york like david wright was on the the mets for the past four years but i mean he didn't play because he was always hurt and then you he, he got the nice send-off at the end of last season but i mean it's just it's kind of the same thing like zim means a lot to the franchise and there's a lot of nostalgia there but for the realists who look at what he can provide us now it's not much because he's always hurt yeah gotcha okay so let's move on again um the next one i want to do is our fyi segment um last week we talked a lot um you know or the week before we've talked a lot about the proposed rule changes and those kind of things so a lot of that goes to pace of play, and people are always talking about the games are too long. But the real underlying thing is is MLB trying to appeal to a younger audience. So what I kind of want to talk about in this this week is which of the proposed changes, if any of them, do you guys think will actually help with appealing to a younger audience? Because I don't think that necessarily shortening the game is going to appeal to a younger audience. No, I, I don't think it will either because, like, you, even if it does shave off, like, 10 minutes – you really aren't going to notice that like 10 minutes is just on average. There's still going to be games that are, are longer than what the average is and, and so on and so forth. Um, of all the ones to make it more interesting, I mean, the universal DH is really the only one I see with that potential. Ew. Just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> because of the increased offense, like everything, all the other rules will help with game length, but game length as a whole, I don't see it like really appealing to a younger audience i think they need to lower the mound um i've seen this talked about a little bit uh but that will help a lot with offense because we're seeing pitching more dominant than ever and if you look at the last time they lowered the mound after that offense increased incredibly and for the lowest eras ever for like the league wide were before they lowered the mound so if they lower the mound again there's going to be more offense and everyone loves more offense they're like oh there's actually scoring in a lot of offense in baseball. More people are going to watch it. But if MLB really wants to do anything to appeal, they just need to market better. They're yeah, that's, that's the bigger issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know that 
more offense, unless it were a significant amount, more offense is really going to crack through. I think we, you and I, you guys, we talked about this a little bit offline before um, while we were planning out the segment. And uh, I have two sons who are 15 and 18, and they don't watch sports at all. They are just not interested in watching sports on TV. They don't really watch TV at all. They just, you know, everything is streaming. Everything is on their phones or on a handheld device. And I just think that no amount of tinkering with the rules, even if it means more offense, would would draw them in or other people their age. I think what's going to do it is making baseball available where they are watching things. And that means streaming. And right now, baseball is terrible about streaming. You can't. You, you know, if I want to stream games, I can stream any game except the one I care about, which is my local game. Yep. And that just has to change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the, the issue they want to address is lowering the average fa- average age of a fan, which makes sense because it's just increasing every single year. But the way you do that isn't by tinkering with the game and tinkering with the rules. It's making your game more accessible to reach more fans in a younger audience. It's not changing every single rule and making a completely different game it's just making it more accessible yeah i agree i think when you tinker too much what you're doing is is you're you're irritating the fans who love the game already and i don't think like you said shaving 10 minutes off a game even if it's on average isn't going to make any difference i don't think if there are two on average two additional runs scored per game that that's going to make any difference at all so all of this that MLB is always doing to try to, oh, we need to address pace of play. We need to appeal to a younger audience. None of the things they were proposing is going to make that happen unless they find the younger audience where they are. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the, the, the challenge with it is, is the way all the sports contracts are is that we're probably never going to see streaming for any type of sport. Um, I was like looking up last night and with MLB's contracts, not up until 2021, um, with Fox and everyone, we're not going to see it because no sport seeing enough loss of revenue or loss of ratings to even consider allowing people to stream without cable. So, like, until something changes like that where Amazon or Facebook blows them away with an offer when their contract's up, we're just going to have the same problem every year, and they're not going to be able to allow stream anything. Yeah, and there are, right. some, there are some places. Is it L.A., I think, where you can't even watch Dodgers games on cable? Like, you can't watch Dodgers games. It's the craziest thing in the world that they don't even have a, a regional sports network that's airing their games. And it, it, these antiquated way of doing business is we have these huge deals with the – you know, with the TV channels and they black out everybody in the viewing area so that it's exclusive and we can get paid a ton of money. But what you're doing is excluding fans rather than bringing in new fans. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. And but they're, they see this, they see what they're creating. And they're like, oh, let's change the rules. It, just, it makes no yeah. sense. Like, that's what I don't understand. There's a lot of smart people in you know major league baseball how do they not see that the answer is streaming and it's a very yeah. simple answer yeah like they're, they're like some of the doing things to lose ahead. money though and so like the money yep. they get in ad revenue through these television contracts is why they're going to keep doing it if they do exclusive to like amazon gets exclusive mlb rights they're going to lose a lot of money because they're not going to get the same advertisements. But they could have it so that the people who already have the contracts with them also have the rights for the streaming. Like you have to go to 
Fox's website and you can stream through that so they can still run ads and do everything else they want to. I feel like there are ways around this and I don't understand how they can't figure out a way to make it work. I mean, there are ways around it, but even with that, like you're still going to need cable. So like with NBC, like you can watch any local NBC uh, sports team, but you need cable. It's like that everywhere, but Masson's contract is really stupid. doesn't allow any of that, um, which could really help with the Nats, but everything you're going to need cable just because the money that they rack in from that. I mean, baseball made, what, $11 billion last year? And if they lose ad revenue, who knows what it's going to be. I just feel like there's got to be a way they can figure out to replace ad revenue for people who are watching it. You could, you could run the same commercials on the streaming I mean, yeah, that you're it, running on TV. There's no reason why you have to lose money on it. Yeah, if they would actually market their game and market their stars like the NBA and the NFL does, they yeah, they would have a lot more than $11 billion. In yeah, revenue, that, but they, they refuse to market their stars and market their game. Yeah. Like NBA Twitter is full of like 12 year olds because NBA markets toward a younger generation with their yep. players. And that's why their sports gain popularity. While it's still far behind baseball, but everyone has a favorite player. And baseball needs to allow people to do that and market on social media. Like let right. people tweet out clips, let people actually yeah. download and view stuff. On yeah, it's crazy that you, you that. make it impossible for people to even share the cool stuff that's happening in baseball with people who aren't watching baseball already. It's, it's, it really makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, and you touched it on it earlier, Amanda, like how many stars are on the West Coast that like are just forgotten because MLB doesn't market their game. They, they don't allow anyone to, to market their players. Mike Trout very well might, may be the best baseball player to ever live. And, like, to the to a non-baseball fan, they, they don't know yeah. who Mike Trout is. He's otherwise is. known as who to yeah, anybody exactly. who doesn't already yep. watch baseball. Like, yep. Bryce Harper is a household name to people who don't watch baseball. But that's yeah. largely because of Bryce Harper, not because of MLB. Yeah. yeah, he's created his own brand, which a lot of baseball players don't do, which mm-hmm. I think, like, Nike could do a better job with it. Undarmer can do a better job with featuring them in commercials. Because a lot of baseball players have the endorsements, but they're just not really in commercials. Yep. But Bryce is in a ton of National League commercials. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to our next topic, um, I just want to tell everybody who's listening about the library of podcasts from the DMV Sports Network. There are nine active shows right now uh, for the Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, Ravens, Fantasy Fever, dealing with fantasy football. And a pair of shows, it's about time D.C. and Dom and Thunder that handle kind of multiple sports across D.C. and national topics as well. These are all available wherever your podcasts are found. So check them out. Uh, Leave reviews. Subscribe. We really appreciate it. All right. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Anthony Rendon, which the three of us have been arguing about a bit this week. So uh, I, I, it seems like there's some Rendon isn't as good as everybody thinks he is vibe I was getting from you guys this week. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Rendon's a very good player. He um, honestly, like, he's a top twenty guy in the league. But Nats fans have like begun to hype him up, thinking he's like Mike Trout, and, like he's a good player. He's going to produce two seventy, twenty, eighty every single year. But he's not the elite guy everyone's making him out to be. So I, I, my opinion of Rendon is, I, I think he's great. I would love to have him on a- any single team I would ever like dream of. The problem is that if you look at – granted, it's it's a very biased list, but the MLB top 100, Rendon was 21. What fans don't realize is that there's a huge maybe two or three teardrops within that top 20. Like Rendon isn't just like that far behind like the number five spot. Like he's legitimately like 
down a little bit. I mean, he's still a great player, but my opinion of Rendon is that he's the perfect number two guy. He can. I don't think he's the one to lead a team. I don't think he he's someone to necessarily build around. If you have a Bryce Harper, Rendon's the perfect complement to that. If you have a Mike Trout, same thing. Rendon's a perfect complement to that. Rendon's not like the guy you want. With that being said, I agree. Like if Bryce does end up signing elsewhere, Rendon, you turn to Rendon as your biggest priority because you can't lose your number one and number two as far as your lineup goes. But Everyone needs to calm down on the Rendon hype train because he is good, but he is not great. All right. I disagree completely. I think he is great. And I think debate, he debate, debate. Debate, debate, <laughs> debate. Here I understand what you're saying about him not being the number one. I think personality wise, he's a very reserved guy. He's quiet. I don't know that he's really kind of your clubhouse leader type. But as you know, he's he last year he hit three oh eight. He had 24 homers, 44 doubles. He had a 6.3 FWAR, and I understand that WAR isn't everything. I get it. But he was also a gold glove finalist. He had a 981 fielding percentage, which was top among qualified National League third basemen. So I don't, I don't understand how you can say he's not great. I mean, he's in to me, he's in the top five easily of third baseman in baseball. Like, how can you say that this is not a great player? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And to the Nats, especially if Harper's gone, he's the biggest bat in your lineup, except maybe Soto. But Soto, you've been predicting a sophomore slump. You know, yep. I don't know what we're going to get from Soto. He's young, and we haven't seen very much of him. You know what you're going to get from Anthony Rendon. He is a solid, reliable, excellent ball player. And I, I think the argument that he's not great is crazy. I'm I'm not saying like he doesn't belong in the team, but people are literally talking about him like he's Mike Trout. He's not. Like he I needs... have not heard anyone argue that he is anyone oh, close to Mike Trout. The, yeah, I mean I, I have. Like I have seen it. But it's just such a place like Well, yeah, idiots on Twitter don't necessarily <laughs> count. I'm just saying. It, there it, are so, people well, who well, think we don't need Harper because we have Taylor. So well, don't we... call my <laughs> lovely followers idiots. Only I it's coming from it's coming from such a biased point of view. Like people are unable to see Rendon like clearly. They just think he's just this God sent third baseman, which I mean, yeah, he's top five, but there still is a teardrop from the top four and then, or the top three and then Rendon, wherever he falls. Right. But the, granted, I'm not saying he's in the top three. I think there are better third basemen in baseball, obviously, but he's the most important player, in my opinion, on the Nats this season, assuming Bryce Harper does not come back. I think as Anthony Rendon goes, this season is going to go for the Nationals. And he should be their absolute top priority. And he should be treated by them as a guy who needs to be re-signed. Whatever it takes to re-sign him, they need to do it. If you know, Everybody's like, throw all the money in the world at Bryce Harper. And I agree with that. I would love for them to get Bryce Harper back. But they need to not be stingy when it comes to Rendon because you can't lose Rendon and Harper back well, based to back on, years. Based on the comments yesterday, it sounds like they're being pretty stingy with him. And, well, Mark Lerner's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're not that that part I won't disagree with, but he is not getting that seven for one sixty that he's demanding. Like he yeah, won't but get that's that an from opening anything. position. I would think those seventy one forty five or seven one forty five. I don't think twenty million or so, twenty one million a year is outside the realm of what he deserves. No, I I think he gets I think he gets twenty million for six years. That's my prediction on him. Yeah, uh, I can see something around that. 
I, I just, mean, I don't think he's yeah. gonna beat Altuve's contract like he wants to do, but I'm I can see like one twenty, one twenty five over six for him, honestly. And I honestly don't know why he is comparing himself to Altuve. Altuve, his resume is insanely better than Rendon's. So I don't know. Like shoot for the stars, yeah, by all means. But that is yeah. Not... And I don't know that he is comparing himself. I think that's no, no. I'm not saying but... comparing himself, yeah. but like in terms of contracts, so yeah, that's what Altuve ended up getting. Granted, it was an extension. It wasn't Altuve hit the the open market, but I mean that's not, in my opinion, what you want to to shoot for. But then again, we haven't really had a like a good baseline for a third baseman who hit free agency. Like the last big one was like Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want him to hit free agency. I yeah. think they need to get him on an extension. He's going to hit free agency. Like that just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. He said he's going to like, he's open to negotiating throughout the season, but I don't think Nats will do that like too much i think yeah. it, it's going to come i think anything, the nats come need to, the to do what it takes to get him signed before he hits free agency because if he does hit free agency and they decide not to re-sign him we would have lost harper and then randone in consecutive years and i think that is a terrible oh no that would be terrible yeah, thing yeah that that, that's awful and yeah that was kind of my point you can't lose your one and your two i think my my greater point and maybe it got lost is that if it came down to choosing between harper and randone the choice is harper Right, but 100%. that's not the choice. It, I mean, I, I think it is, but I I mean, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I think if they sign I don't I don't think that whether they re-sign Harper, if they do, I don't think it's going to affect their decision to try to re-sign to try to re-sign Rendon. And I, I think if you're gonna do something fair, I think he's gonna want seven years rather than six. And I think you need to give him like a twenty, twenty one million a year AAV over seven years, and that would probably get it done before right. he hits free agency. And I, I think that if the Nats are smart, especially if they lose Bryce, they're going to just do that and get him locked up. So they're not dealing with another huge free agent issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I don't think signing Harper would necessarily signal the end for Rendon. My point was just, if it did come down to one or the other, the choice is Harper. Yeah. I mean, I agree. All I don't think it'll come not, to because the Nats are going to let him walk and they're signing Nolan Arenado. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then Mike Trout in 2020, baby. Yep. <laughs> right. It's all happening, people. Yeah. It's, all happening. it's Marky Mark's plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Um, let's talk about some Twitter questions we got from listeners this week. Uh, we got from at B Limparis. Um, aside from Robles and Keyboom, are there any Nats? prospects to keep an eye on or that we should be excited about so i i I responded to him right away um like the short answer is no um but if you dive into it like uh, the mlb pipeline tweeted out the the list of the nats top 10 prospects for the past 10 years oh bad and and you just look at that and if you if you it's depressing yeah if you follow that for or follow the nats for any amount of time like you can see that that is not very good so much aj cole (laughs) (laughs) too much aj seeing aj cole is too much aj cole but Five no, years, the, though, out of the five years he spent on the top 10 prospect list, which is crazy to think well, about. Well, I mean, that means he wasn't good enough to ever make it to the MLB like, right. for five years. But, no, the short answer is no, but I, that doesn't necessarily mean the Nats, like, aren't positioned well. It's just It just means that prospects, as we've said, like, don't really pan out. And if they do, it takes three to five years. Like, I mean, 
Giolito was on there for three years, and maybe that's not the best example, but he was the number one prospect in baseball at one point, and he was still there for three years. Robles, is, I think he's on his third or fourth year on that list. That doesn't mean he won't pan out, but the question was, aside from Robles and Keeboom, and there isn't, but again, that doesn't condemn the Nats and their, their no. system. And there are a couple of names that we've seen before. One is Rowdy Reed, who was the catcher, who I think then got a PED suspension. But yep. He's still the on the top 10 list for this year, I think, or on some people's top 10 lists for the Nats this year. Um, so interesting to see how he'll pan out. He was just, he got an 80-game suspension. <laughs> um, I, looking at this list is kind of depressing because it kind of shows that, one, the Nats don't draft well, and two, man, they cannot develop people. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people never make it up to the big leagues that, that come in and spend a lot of time on their top 10 list. Like the, yes. the guy that they traded for uh, Doolittle and Madsen, like, granted, that's a great trade. Oh, done. Luzardo, yeah. Yeah, he's now, like, the number one lefty prospect in baseball for pitching, and he wasn't that highly regarded when he was with the Nats. So that's because the Nats are terrible at developing pitchers. Oh, I mean, man. Like, look at Trinan. Trinan's probably the best reliever in baseball now. Vasquez. That is hard to take. And I, I just Well, formerly Felipe Rivero, Felipe Vasquez with the Pirates, now he's, like, a dominant closer, and he was a joke while he was with the Nats. There, yeah. There's some sort of problem. But for the people who haven't seen the list, if we look at the top 10 just from last year, so the top five, you have Robles, Soto, Kibum, Fetty, Seth Romero. So Robles is still number one. Soto is obviously on the team. We talked about Kibum. Fetty is a bust. I mean, that's not anything to be excited about. Seth Romero, I, I don't even know if he's in the organization. He had some sort of like meltdown and they like sent him home. They sent him to so- uh, the farm upstate. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, with all the other yeah, dogs. Yeah, that didn't work out well. Yeah, and then <laughs> if you look at, like, the next five, Luis Garcia, Antuna, Crow, Johnson, Gutierrez, like, none of them, well, Crow is, but none of them, like, ha- are still on the top ten list, like, this year. There's Which- Wilmer Defoe on here a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's really all you need to know. End of Twitter question, like, prospects suck. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question. We got um, from at one pursuit twenty two. How effective will the Nats bullpen be? Um, I this is a great question. I think the bullpen is going to be the biggest issue this season. Um, I just I think they're going to struggle big time. And it's just going to be Doolittle is going to be the good one. Everyone else going to struggle, and we're going to struggle getting the game to him. What I really want to see them do, which I know they're not going to do, is they should trade Keyboom and get a great bullpen arm in return for him which would be very smart to do so you have someone locked down in the eight. But Oof, I don't want to yeah. trade key boom. The second basemen are stacked in free agency next year. Yeah, they are. It's just I hear you, but there's a great reliever available in free agency right now. Why not <laughs> sign him and keep key boom? Well, he hasn't come down on his 100 million over six years request. So. Yeah, he actually just said that if he doesn't get his demands, he, he's yeah, willing to sit somebody out. Somebody said he said that, but then his agent came out and said he absolutely has never said that. That's insane. I think that's more damage control than anything on Yeah, Maybe. probably. But Maybe. Honest. I don't think Kurt Kimbrell is going to be willing to sit out the season. No. I don't think so either. But I, the point is he's not coming down from his asking price. Like, that's that's the larger point. Which... I'll bet if you, if you offered him a pile of money in about another two weeks, if he's still out there for a two- or three-year deal, I'll bet you he'd consider After it. March 25th was really desperate. Yeah, I mean, that's just the game that – that teams and Kimbrels Campbell just have to gamble on and see how it turns out. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the bullpen's likely to be their biggest weakness. Um, obviously, Doolittle is great. I mean, they got Rosenthal, who's been a closer, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see from him. Right. We got, we got, you know, we got a clo- who was supposed to be a closer last year, and that didn't work out so well for us. So, yeah, the the one silver lining is that the past few trade deadlines, like Rizzo has gone out and gotten bullpen help. So, I mean, we can kind of expect that to, to true, but be a it wasn't thing. enough this year. They had lost too many games before the trade deadline for it to matter. Right, and, but I think we're in a better position moving into the season than we were last year. Like last year, there's still a lot of question marks going into the season. Like Michael A. Taylor was our starter for God's sakes. Like, yeah, that team was not destined <laughs> AJ to do Cole's anything. Yep. <laughs> All right, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay, from at Dom and Thunder, our uh, pal from the DMV Sports Network, we got what's worse, Davies constantly changing lineups or FP Santangelo's voice? Well, <laughs> that's rude, Dom. As much My as goodness. no, he has a point. Uh, Davies lineup changing so annoying. That kills guys, and like no one wants to talk about that. You can't get. And the like, just rolling with it. And every time you're in a different spot in the lineup, your approach is completely different. And that really messes with guys. And I don't like Davey, so I'm always going to choose that he's the worst of everything. <laughs> FP sucks also, but Davey really needs. To I don't know. Good. I'm not an FP hater, so I, I uh, he's I a homer am. for the Nats, and I love that. I like when I watch my hometown, when I watch my home team feed. On uh, I, I want to listen to the radio feed that's from my team. I want to watch the TV. Feed feed that's from my team i want homers talking about my team and i you know he even came out last year and said something about that like i'm not a sports radio guy it's not my job to be controversial like i work for the i work for masson and i work for the nats and that's what i do so, so. the the worst type of people they they like support fp no matter what the <laughs> michael a taylor stands <laughs> they they think zim should start every game they they love Jason Worth even though he was awful. Well, they're fans who like, are emotional rather than analytical. Those and those are the worst awesome. types. Those are the worst yes. types. Like, don't at me. Like, if you let your emotions <laughs> drive like your opinion on reality, like it's just it's it's not good. It's true. Although you know, for some people who are casual fans, like it, what sports fandom is about for a lot of people is about the emotional investment in your team and support your team no matter what for people who are wanting to be you know be in the sports media or to you know for people who are doing podcasts like we are who are writing your job is to be analytical but that's not necessarily something that everybody needs to do fp says some of the dumbest things (laughs) it's not even like his voice or his pitch like he is just an idiot like he he is is just so dumb and what he says like and, and like uh, obviously everything we're saying is opinionated but if you look at the rankings for like the the broadcast the nats have always been in like the lower like definitely the lower half but always the they're bottom always like 10 the or bottom three. 5 i'll yeah, tell you one of my all-time favorite fp things was when it was a free training game that was on Madison a few years ago i don't even remember any of the details about the game, but they're, you know, sort of panning back from the scene and you can see the sun. And he says, the sun is big. And Bob just just sits there silently and and you can't get that kind of analysis just anywhere. Honestly. And that's exactly (laughs) everything he says. See, I don't hate that though. It makes me laugh. Yeah. So Scherzer's throwing hard today. Yeah. No. Yeah. Of course he's throwing hard. You idiot. Like, 
FP's just so it makes so me laugh. Funny. I'm not an FP hater. We'll have yeah. to agree to disagree. I mean, my favorite FP moment hasn't happened yet because that'll be the day that he's no longer on the Nats oh, broadcast. Oh, that's hateful. <laughs> so that's hateful. So anyway, my answer is Davies constantly changing lineups are worse. Oh well, I don't think Davies a good manager Davies. either. Davies gonna ruin this team. No one's talking about that. But that's yeah. a, that's a conversation. For that's me. a conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll I have a feeling that. we're gonna have a lot of times over the course of the season. They're both awful, Dom. There's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Moving on. At H Rooney Eight, also of the DMV Sports Network, asks: Assuming Bryce is gone, who now has the best beard on the team? This is tough because we we've lost a lot of uh, big beards in the past couple of years. It, it's uh, we're, we're like sorely lacking on the facial hair. And I swear to God, if you say Aaron Barrett, I am leaving <laughs> so quickly because he does not deserve to be on a mound at all. And I I don't, oh, I, I I I don't care. I don't know if we can say whether he deserves it or not. He's just coming off an injury. So nope, he it's does, the perfect no, he time to nope. find out whether he's got it anymore. I, no, he does not have it. Disagree and you want to argue? Uh gladly will do that. Yeah, he never had it. Like he has never had it before in his he's life. He's not going to be on the roster when the season starts, so it doesn't really matter what what difference does it make. Well, he, gets, he needs to stop ruining spring my spring training. training. You didn't even watch the game. Fake news. <laughs> no, but I, I think, I mean, there's not like that impact beard. I think that's what no. we're really missing. Do the, do the... You know, Rendon's had it before. Yeah. He's done the facial hair thing. He so, doesn't have it now. But I, he's I think, done it yeah. Doolittle, may, I don't know what Strauss is looking like nowadays, but Doolittle's the answer. <laughs> no matter what Strauss is looking like, it is not an impact beard. Okay. But I think it, it's just Doolittle right now. Like, that's really the only answer. Right. But looking at the Nats website, and Austin Adams has a pretty ferocious, thick beard. All right. <laughs> So, so yeah, right little little dark horse contender for beard of the year. Um, yeah, but, but how about for people who are going to be on the roster on opening day? Okay, well, the good news for the Nats is there's a great beard on the free agent market that only cost you like three hundred fifty million. So <laughs> Jesus cheap at twice Christ, the price. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we can finish up here. Um, uh, for everybody who listened, thank you so much. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review. Uh, you can find me again on Twitter. I'm Amanda White at AWhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak. And you can follow the pod at at Half Street High Heat on Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out the DMVSportsNetwork.com. Um, you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at DMV underscore SN. And if you're interested in joining the DMV Sports Network team, they're always looking for writers and podcasters. You can contact them um, via Twitter. You can send a DM or you can email them at DMVSportsNetwork at Outlook.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And I guess I will talk to you guys next week. See you guys. Later. Bring Bryce home.
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.